gentlemen to the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best but the views are amazing i mean moderator b jones <laughs> <laughs> hey put that smile on boy that was it's like the light bulb quick it's just like <clears throat> like he hits you right in the throat man ah. like, it's crazy but obviously i got my guys here on the podcast with me this week man bj what's going on in the nice little hotel suite all good man and another hotel another week getting worked up but hey it's all good man there it is. Mike D, what's happening, man, in Cleveland? Yeah, we was at my Duke's house. Uh, she's up, so I... Mama Matthews, what it do? What's going on, Mama? How you doing, ma'am? She's a... Hey. There it is, because she can't hear us. Mm-hmm. She's a very <laughs> fresh. What's going on, sir? You know how it goes. Another beautiful day in Zamunda. We out here. We fresh, evaded, invigorated, ready to get it, man. Got a, got a good show today, lined up, ready to go. Yeah, it's all you and Mike D, man, once we get there. But before we get there, go ahead and hit him with that smile one more time, Kay. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the mental right there. What's going on, Coach K? How you feeling? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm looking I'm forward good, to man. Happy to I'm be look, here, you know what I'm saying? I'm looking forward to uh, sitting in the back and, and saying nothing. Well, oh, you going to hit him with the DJ this week? The Just listening to... Why got to be DJ this week? I'm just gonna go on mute right now. That's it. <laughs> you got things to say, man. I was more so thinking about Mike D. Oh, like I said, this podcast is gonna be shared between Mike D and Fresh, man. I hopefully I don't have to say too much this week, man. We're gonna be highlighting two of the uh, entrepreneurs on the mm-hmm. podcast this week. But before we get there, gotta throw this uh, sponsor in, man. Compro Tax Cleveland, our sponsor this month. You know it's tax season, so make sure you get your taxes done. Uh, Compro Tax Cleveland, they're doing individual, business, corporate, non- and nonprofit taxes. Um, it's free filing if you qualify, or you can get your direct deposit going on. They also have the Visa card. You can get your refund on the Visa card. So make sure you get in contact with them as comprofinancial at gmail.com, C-O-M-P-R-O-F-I-N-A-N-C-I-A-L at gmail.com. You can also call them, 216 282 4873. That's Compro Tax Cleveland, man. Getting all your taxes and everything taken care of for you. And for those of you that didn't catch the spelling, it's comprofinancial at gmail.com. There it is. There it is. So it is tax season, man. So we want to talk about <laughs> a little bit about what not to do with your tax refund this week, man. Carol, you get to start this off since you want to fade to bat uh, as we get into the later part. That is terrible. That is terrible. Who does the programming on this thing? <laughs> hey, listen, man. That's all you, baby. <laughs> hey, listen, so no real talk. A lot of people get their tax refunds and they want to go out. They want to go buy stuff, clothes, trips, go to the club, pop bottles, all types of stuff. Waste your little tax return, um, your little tax return. That's why you need to go to Comp Pro. Then you won't have a little tax return. You have a better tax return than a little. Uh, but there are other people that decide they want to go buy cars. And a lot of times people will take their tax refund and they come in and they put the whole refund down towards getting a car, which isn't the worst thing to do. However, with the amount of money that you're putting down, sometimes you will get yourself into more car payment than you are ready for. 
because the good part about putting money down is that you get a better approval rate in most cases when you actually put money down. Um, people don't do or look at buying a car the same way they look at buying a house. Uh, when you're buying a house, the more money you come up with, the better approvals you get, the lower interest rate you get. Same thing for a car. Um, you definitely want to be smart about it. Um, go someplace that's going to value you um, and, and, and do what's best for you and get you into the amount of car that you need, not the amount of car that they can put you in. There's a difference. And when I say that, some people will put you in more car than you can afford. Um, once tax season is done and you don't have any more money and you go back to live in check to check, uh, then and that car payment hits and you can't pay it. So, and then we come and repo it. And then you're back in the same thing all over again. And then you're scrapping up money to go buy a car from a buyer pay here. Uh, and that is never a good thing in most cases. So be smart. Um, I can tell you one of the key indicators that you're at a dealership that you probably don't need to be at is one that will allow you to just sign over your, your check to them. <laughs> That's probably not the one you want to go to. Um, so take your time. Be smart about it. Make sure you get into a car that you put money down, you get a good interest rate, and you can maintain that monthly payment once the extra funds are gone. Man, funny story that goes along with that, man. Make sure uh, <laughs> you, you, you're you weary of what gets you in the door at some of these car dealerships. So this is a pre-tax season story. My mom got something in the mail that says she had one, like some 65-inch TV. All she had to do was come down to the dealership and, uh, you know, uh, uh, collect her winning, collect her winning ticket to, uh, or give her winning ticket to the TV. And it was a scratch off thing she received or whatever. And I'm like, hmm, it sounds pretty fishy. But she's like, no, BJ, I, I scratched off. I saw, you know, I won this 65 inch TV. And she gets down there. And the first thing they're trying to tell her is, oh, yeah. So, no, you don't actually win the TV. But if you sign for this car, you know, the TV can come in with you. So you got to be careful with them deals. Um, and then I've so many uh horror stories uh while i was at my previous employer um with people going in trying to buy cars just because it's tax season i mean i I tell people all the time uh if your car keeps you under probably about five thousand dollars a year as far as maintenance is concerned probably don't need to get a new car especially just because you see a hundred thousand miles on that um on that odometer so just some things you might want to keep in mind this tax season as you go out there and uh start playing the market with your car needs and such yeah, and if um, if Faison was on here, he would tell you, look, buy a car to get you from point A to point B where you needed to get to. And if that means that you pay for the car in cash, I would absolutely recommend it. Don't get into financing something because then you are just paying way more. Oh, and let me break a common myth. What you go and buy a car for is not what the car <laughs> is worth. <laughs> That is what the car is worth, plus whatever else, the lights being on in the building, uh, the sales consultant getting paid. For those places that have a finance manager, the finance manager getting paid, uh, that's what you're paying for. You're not paying what your car is worth. So, And then if you go to trade in your car, um, your car was not worth what you paid for it. So you don't even know that number in most cases. So when we talk about depreciation, Depreciation doesn't start at the window sticker price. Depreciation starts at the wholesale value of your car, which we can probably do a whole another podcast on that 
and we will save that content for another time. If you want to hear about the ins and outs of the car industry, uh, definitely drop it in the comments. Let us know if you have questions. And between uh, Mr. Moderator and myself, we can probably answer most of your questions. Yeah, I'm dropping that in the comments because I want to hear that. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, it's some things that get passed down. That information is rarely passed down from generation to generation. So I am a victim of, I ain't going to say using the income tax, but some shady car deals. So I go with uh, first number, let me get in and get out. I'll do negotiation, none of that stuff. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm pretty bad at, at car purchases as well. I don't, I don't got yeah. the patience for playing the, the, the games that I know I should be playing. Yeah. yeah. So us in America will enjoy those tips, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, what I will tell you guys is, is that there are a lot more places you can go now where you don't have to play those games. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, man. Just do your research. Google. Google's your best friend. Um, and like I said, if you have specific questions, drop in the comments. The moderator or myself will answer those for you. And fellas, obviously, we can talk offline. Yes, sir. There it is. So we want to get into the meat of the podcast, man. So we got our two entrepreneurs on here. Two of our entrepreneurs, I should say. You said I was a biscuit? <laughs> hey, you can make money with biscuits. Hey, listen, man. Honey tastes good with biscuits, right? Wow. I was just a biscuit. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the, the warm the palate, man. We appreciate you getting the, getting the, the the podcast going, man. The warm up, the airways warm. Got it. There it is. So go on, go I want to set right the now. stage, man. Yeah, go ahead. Go on mute, man. Keep interrupting. <laughs> <Say> biscuits. <laughs> Mike B, man. I want you to. Uh, how long you been doing entrepreneurship or in business for yourself? Uh, ninety seven. Yeah, ninety seven. Yeah, ninety seven. Carolyn and I started. Uh, Renaissance Unlimited and the Truth Program. So, Absolutely. And Fresh, how long you been in business for yourself, man? Since 2010. 2010. So a lot of years of experience in between these two. So I asked uh, Mike and Ian to give me uh, five things that they, look, that they look to when starting a business, man. Some principles to kind of go by. Mike, I want to start with you because the first two things on your list may play a little bit off of the first thing on Ian's list. So the first two things on your list, Mike, were vision and structure. So give me a little bit of why that's most important when starting the business. You got to know where you're going when you start. So vision is absolutely um, something that you need to have in order to grow. If you have it where you're trying to think of where you want to be right now and that's all you focus on, then your business will stay stagnant. But trying to make sure that <clears throat> what are you trying to achieve? Is it uh, financial independence? Is it you trying to do something to you know provide a product or a service that's helpful to people? Like truly think about as big as you want it to be, and then once you get that idea of where you think it should be and where you see yourself going, then you start to backtrack it to set it up. Um, but you always are trying to reach that, so you keep pushing that kind of that finish line further and further out and your business will grow. The structure part is important because uh, that's your foundation. So however you set it up, and we talked about taxes earlier, but all of it is going to come back to some form of tax reporting. Uncle Sam on his money. So whatever pieces you're going to get out of there is all going to have to come together in some type of formation, whether you incorporate it, whether you're nonprofit, for-profit, LLC, all that's important in terms of making sure that all your stuff is in order. 
Um, even if you're doing it where you're sole proprietor, like truly trying to think about how you setting it up and what you want it to look like. If you got partners, truly putting some thought into that as well. So you look at the end, also looking at your beginning. I'm sorry, let me go back a minute because we talked about where you started. And I know for some listeners, this might be their first episode. And I know we had our, our one-on-one with you, Mike, where you outlined Panage and some of the other things you've done. But as an entrepreneur right now, what are you doing or what are your services offered? Uh, business support services. So a lot of helping people with the startup, the admin part. So a lot of your individuals that are starting businesses don't necessarily have the infrastructure, the process payroll, to kind of think through contracts, to kind of work on the business plan part. So we help with that whole support and that whole setup, coaching through it. And then a lot of professional development and training with other individuals, just in particular areas, either planning, project management, um, but really trying to make sure that we support people so that way you can focus on your product and kind of your operations and help you with your back office stuff. Got you, got you. Now I'm on you, Ian. So before I get into your first thing on your list, man, I want you to uh, tell us how long how long you've been in business with Acuitive, what you do, things of that nature. Well, we're a strategic digital advertising agency. Um, been around around 10 years now, but we help businesses with everything from websites, digital marketing aspects, so your PPC, um, any other type of uh, way that you would want to advertise brand or get your business awareness out uh, both digitally and offline. Easy. And so the first thing on your list, when I was reading through you guys, your first thing is digest everything. So when it comes to that vision and structure, it seems a little bit like it, you know, it goes against that, right? Because you're taking in so much information. So why is digest everything on your first or first on your list? Well, it's definitely because I I feel why you should have, in a sense, the um, acute focus of wanting to accomplish your business goals and, and, and getting off to that good start, you still need to make sure that you are not having such tunnel vision that you don't allow the opportunities that are potentially right in front of your hands, right? That there is a lot of information that can be found in unexpected areas. You have somebody like a Heather Payne who was a successful executive, but when she took time out, out of you know the rat race, went over to her homeland of Hong Kong and spent some time there. She actually came back and wound up creating um, Ladies Learning Code. And so being able to step away allowed her to have bigger vision and actually um, propel herself into her passion as opposed to staying on what most would, you know, deem a successful path that she was already on. And so it's really about taking the opportunity to understand that just because you're, you're, you have your mindset and your, your goal on one thing that there might be pieces here and there that can either help you along the way or that more importantly might put you, um, pivot you into a direction that you didn't even think about that can be more um, advantageous or prosperous for your situation. Nice. So something that comes along with business and it's pretty much unavoidable is the mistakes. Um, and sometimes when you're dealing with, you know, your partners or different employees or whatnot, you got to you got to meet excuses um, within that space. So I want y'all to talk about some, one of your biggest mistakes. And I guess I'll start with you, Ian, and how you kind of came out of that. I think um, one of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make is not making sure 
that you are paying yourself first and really staying dedicated to understanding that if you want to be a business, you need to treat yourself as a business in all aspects and making sure that you're putting yourself first as far as um, the head and number one employee can help you propel the, the projection of your business overall just because you're already putting those pieces of the puzzle in place and making them a priority. So when it comes to paying yourself first, though, if you got a business, you know, you got employees, you got things, how do you go about paying yourself first when you got a whole business that you got to be responsible for? Well, I think Nike said it best when they say, just do it. Um, It's going to, I mean, it's going to be hard. It's going to be nerve wracking. And to be honest, you're going to put yourself in a position where you are going to understand that you need to treat yourself better than your employees. While you do need to treat your employees like gold, you still need to understand that you are the foundation. You are what starts everything and what will end everything. And so if you allow yourself to run yourself into the ground, understand that while those employees seem to love and care and be such um, family dedicated to your business, at the end of the day, it's only about as far as that check extends. And you need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself first in order to um, make sure that your business can continue flourish and and be um, successful. It's no different than just in general life. If you don't have, you know, your mentality and everything healthy and and, and ready to go, it's going to create, you know, a harder process of you being uh, feeling good and, and, you know, completing any task or anything that you have going on throughout the day. So, what I was going to say is depending on, and I, man, I'm not even supposed to be in this. I'm supposed to be humming on the side, but depending on what type of business you start, right? There's levels to it. So you may not need employees right away, right? right. You, you, you are, you are the employee. And one thing about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship has no hours. Absolutely. You're always, you're, you're always, you're, you're always on and you have to get to a point to where, the business that comes in, you need to secure how you take care of you first before you start expanding and getting more people, getting employees. So you are going to start out being the hardest worker and the best paid before you start paying anybody else. And you should start out in, in, in that way as well. Don't get complacent and don't settle in your next hire and put all the tasks and wait on them and not understand that it's still your baby. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, they are looking for the next thing. So nobody's going to love it as much as you. Same with your kids. I mean, nobody's going to love your kids like you are, regardless of how much you love the nanny, how much you love the babysitter. Eventually, they're going to leave them with you and go home. But that so, goes back to, and I'm trying to stand it back too, but that goes back to the whole mentality of it, the worker employee mentality versus the entrepreneur mentality. And employee wants to work the least amount of hours for the most amount of pay. Yep. Right. And the entrepreneur wants to make the growth of the business depending on the passion. Again, I don't think anybody goes into business not to at least be able to sustain and make money. Some people are after fortunes and, and things like that, but others are in it just to make sure that they can provide a service or give back to whatever they're doing. But the mentality in doing the work and the hours you're going to dedicate to it, the resources you're going to dedicate to it, it's a total different mindset. Until people switch from that employee mentality to the entrepreneur mentality, um, nine times out of 10, they're going to fail. Yeah. 
It's the it's not following the money. It's like it's, it's the vision. It's like you know where you want to go. The money's gonna come when it comes. Like Fresh said, you know, make sure that you take care of you first. So another part of that question was the excuses part portion, and I'm gonna start with you, Mike. Um, how do you deal with the excuses now? And these are internal things because you're not only an entrepreneur, successful businessman, but you're a father, a, a, a husband. You know, you have a house and everything at home. How do you? handle your own excuses of why you can't necessarily get certain things done throughout the day it's getting to a point where you have to realize that you know you got to be professional so you have to treat it even though most people think you know i'm in business for myself i can kind of do what i want come as you represent your company so if you are constantly making excuses for why you didn't meet this deadline, why I didn't respond to the email, that's going to represent your company, which represents you. And then you're going to get a bad brand to somebody that is always full of excuses, never gets anything done, and you're not going to be successful. So you really have to kind of push through it um, and set realistic expectations so you have more of an understanding of what your capacity is to fulfill certain things. And once you get to that place, then you're able to set realistic goals in your conversations with people as they come. Um, you're not trying to take on too much, which limits the ability to say, well, you know, I couldn't do this or I can't. But you have room to have some flexibility. So if your deadline is Thursday, you can't get it. If people know your work, then for you to say, I'm trying to work on it, but I'll get it to you Friday morning. Truly having a relationship and communication with people, open lines of communication and being honest is good, but continually having excuses for it, it's not good. Um, so I've learned that over time. I've had to get the family and everybody to understand that because just like Carol said, it's 24-7. So in doing that, you make sure that you manage your time for personal um, understanding, you know, I can do some things after everybody goes to bed. I can do some things while they're doing this or while they're out. So you truly got to make sure that you're looking at the whole full spectrum of what's going on. Yeah, that time management piece is huge, man. I find myself dealing with that on a regular basis. And it's not so much having the time to do what needs to be done for the business all the time. It's finding the time to do what needs to be done for the family. So, you know, like my daughter requires a certain amount of the time. My relationship requires a certain amount of time. My son, you know, my mother and things, you know, so making sure that I'm fitting them in because as we all know, it is a 24-7 type of thing, especially when you're building something from the ground up. Um, so uh, keeping that in mind is probably the, the largest struggle for me um, trying to get into that entrepreneurial space. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Um, even thinking about kind of as you go, like, it, um, I didn't always start, like, even I said, like, it was me, Carol, and, and Forrest when we started. So having partners, um, making sure that you have communication with your partner so the excuses between your internal group can lead to your business dissolving quicker than your excuses that go externally. So think about your partnerships. Think about the people that you start your business with. Um, truly, like, it becomes a marriage. So if those individuals aren't open and honest and you're constantly dependent on somebody to do the social media posts, this person was supposed to do this part of the budget, you work on this part of the proposal, you get to the deadline and folks don't have what they have, then you're going to have to start rethinking how you use what your structure, who your partners are, whether you want to commit to it, bringing new people in, is truly trying to understand if they are a real fit. Um, so 
Yeah, it's a lot that goes into into the thought process for how you're making money. You're continually going through that process as you're working. Absolutely. Fresh, I want to come back to you, man, because one of the things on your list I thought was was very, very, it's very simple, but it was it spoke volumes, man. It was uh, the, the KISS um, ideology, man. Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, go ahead and explain that for us one time. Well, um, we tend to get caught up as entrepreneurs in starting the, what I call the white bread syndrome and thinking that our 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 ideal is the best thing since sliced white bread, right? And, and that there doesn't need to be anything else. It's just the end all be all and, and get caught up in, in these complex um, um, ways to, you know, evolve this ideal. And a lot of times the simplest things um, create the best buzz are the most well-received and are the most beneficial to the growth of your business. And when you can, um, in a sense, get, get out of your own way and, and begin to, understand and see the opportunities going back to that first one of making sure that you're always, you know, keeping your eyes and ears open, that it's, it's the same thing and keeping it simple and being able to, to um, not push things past the complexity that they need to go. You'll find that you have the opportunity to really build on in, in ways that, uh, you know, can really expand your business past what you initially expected. That's one of the things that I've grown with, uh, still struggle with. I'm sure all of y'all can attest to that. Um, what do you, what, whatever do you mean? <laughs> but the, 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 the keep it simple is um, because there's so much that goes into what you want it to be <laughs> that it truly um, is hard to dial back to where you get down to the, all right, we're only going to do one thing. And you're going to focus on this one thing and make this one thing great. You're like, yeah, but I got all these other ideas that I'm trying to get. So let's just take this one thing and add like 50 things on top of it. No, just focus on the one thing. One of the biggest uh-huh. time wasters is the lack of focus and that Absolutely. lack of being able to go ahead. And and I know it sounds contradictory, right, when I'm telling you, A, you need to pay attention to everything, but also you need to have focus. But being an entrepreneur is not a, a an easy show, right? There, there are many complex pieces that go into being successful at starting and running your own business. And so at times it is about being aware, but at other times it's about having that acute focus and the ability to, you know, push through with all the distractions that will be out there. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's one of the first things I say when I'm working with people is like find one item that'll cover for what you need and everything else you just add on to it. So it's easier to tell people to do it than it is to try and do it yourself. Absolutely, man. I mean, you t- you're talking about you coming up the, with the next big thing or the greatest thing ever and you want to have all of this different functionality and stuff where the more information that you digest it continues to add to that and so you kind of find it I mean but was but even with that like just like Fred said like the craziest thing is that the things that last the longest are the simplest things so like paper clips toothpicks tissue like you don't even think about it but like those are essential floss I mean it's string just rolled up around it and you're like all right but you got people out here trying to create all this other stuff is like find the simplest thing that solves a problem and then you're good period if you can solve problems another piece i had was be a solution that being a problem solver is is key in in the simplest problems that you can find that you can solve that are more um universal right the the problems that you can solve that you know more people have those are the profitable 
problems to solve, right? Those are the ways that you can really um, create businesses that will thrive and have longevity when you're solving problems that are universal. Right. Like the lady that took well, what Mike D and I, and if his, if his mom could hear me, uh, what we, and BJ, maybe, what we know is girdles. Hmm. Lady went and made spanks, right? Just made <laughs> him look a little bit more attractive. And now she is a, a multimillionaire because she improved upon something. That's it. And, and that was it. I mean, come on, man. Really? You know, like What you got to realize is, is spanks ain't nothing but an evolution of underwear. You know what it. I mean? That, of, of that Yeah. And, pull them up, pull them down. And, and that's the, you know, it's, it's just an evolution in the understanding that if you can figure out a way to improve something that is so universal, how many people want to look skinnier and, and, and look more attractive, that if you can find simple ways to do that, guess what? People are going to purchase that and, and you're going to have a successful business. And mm-hmm. so all of those different uh, ways that you can figure out how to keep it simple, have focus, but still, you know, solve a problem will really help in propelling your um, entrepreneurial endeavor. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we close out this segment, man, I want to harp on two, um, the last two things on you guys' list, man. I love them um, for different reasons. And Mike, for you, it was be emotionally balanced. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw that as just being so, so critical, um, especially dealing with a team, um, because Mm -hmm. there's so many different personalities, so many different ways people work. um, And, as an entrepreneur or the head of your business or whatever, you can't let emotion drive you, right? So I want you to talk a little bit about that emotionally balanced piece. Um, You try and stay as even keel as possible. Don't get too high when the highs come in. You celebrate great contract, you know, great meeting, great project, great idea, and you don't get too low in the low times um, because ultimately what comes right behind the no response for my project is the yes response from out of nowhere. So you always are focused on where you're going um, and understand that you're in it for the long haul. Um, Just like stocks, investments, you're investing time in your business and yourself to where you're getting to that end. Um, And if you start to go up and down, you are going to have so much stress. You're going to have so many things that are going on with you on a day-to-day basis. because a lot of times, especially when you start it by yourself, you spend a whole lot of time by yourself with thought. And there's a whole lot of proving yourself, having conversations with people. People are going to tell you no, uh, probably more times than they'll tell you yes to begin with. But if you continue to keep pushing through, eventually those people that told you no at the beginning or come back a year later and be like, okay, you're still at it. Well, you know, now... Maybe we can start to talk through some things. It may take two years before you to actually get that person to engage in some type of business with you. But you maintaining the even keel, people begin to appreciate that. They know what to expect. Even employees appreciate that because it's easier for them to understand kind of what day, what type of environment it's going to be. Um, but if you are up and down, I'm sure everybody can think of the bosses that were one day they're high, the other day they're kind of crazy. It's not a positive work environment. And it's not good for you just individually trying to get through this um, because it's tough. I mean, you're out, you're competing, you're in the global market. So it can be it can be some rough days. At the same time, things can be great. And that can all happen within a matter of five minutes. So staying Big even. Facts. Big facts. Mm-hmm. And Fresh, the last thing on your list, man, earn while you build. How? 
um, by any means necessary. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that people get too caught up in um, a, a good example, right? You're a person who loves to cook. I want to be the next big wedding caterer. That's my goal. That's what I want to do. But I'm working in corporate America right now. You know, I'm, I, I love to cook for my family. Um, you get caught up in thinking, okay, I need to go to culinary school and I need to, you know, learn how to be a caterer and do all of these things and, and let that overwhelm you. And you constantly stop and don't even take the first steps of creating your catering business. When instead you can say, hey, I already go to the gym. I already um, see people at the gym, right, who, who want food and need good meals. Hmm. Instead of being so focused on this big task of being a, a wedding caterer, maybe if I start with the small task of saying, hey, I can get some people at this gym who would love, you know, having some good food cooked for them easily, you know, meal prep form. And that can be a start and a catalyst of A, giving me the ability to cook for some, some, some people outside of, you know, my family. It then also gives you the opportunity to start getting research done on, okay, what meals are good? How are people responding to my food? You might find out that you actually suck at cooking and you don't need to do anything <laughs> at all. And it made no sense to even want to go to culinary school. But you might also find out that it's amazing and you don't need any further um, culinary lessons as much as, you know, delving deeper into your experience and growing your business. That then it can go from selling meals at the gym to then, you know, selling meals at work to, you know, building it to a couple companies and, and, and so on and so forth. But it's about being creative and strategic and understanding that it doesn't need to be, you know, the top of the line in order for you to continue down the path of success uh, by way of your business. There are many ways, and even if it's um, earning through experience or in, in, enrichment and in, in, in enlightenment of, of your, your industry, that you have to be creative and understanding and don't allow, again, the excuses of saying, well, I don't have the money for school, or I don't have the ability to do this, be what hinders your progress. Too many people get stopped in, in staying here and figuring out any way to not push themselves forward instead of saying, okay, I can't do it necessarily the way that I think is the way that you're supposed to, but that doesn't mean that you can't be creative and find, you know, another way to, to keep on. It's always about keeping the progress as an entrepreneur. It's about pushing forward and not allowing yourself to stay stagnant. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's a piece in this whole thing that I want to jump in real quick. And it's really about, I want to talk to the parents out there real quick. Cause um, one of the stigmas out there is that, um, when you talk about kids and going through school, and I'm the I'm part of the biggest push for education, um, and talk about that that background and, and use useful knowledge. But in this whole conversation, um, we as parents, and I've had to change my mindset over the years to have to get out the mindset of what we were taught of go to school, get a good education, and work somebody for the rest of your life to retire well, to get a good pension, all that because that's not reality nowadays. Um, and there's some, there's some, I mean, plenty of literature out there. Um, but one of the books I would recommend for parents is if you haven't read Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, and actually they have a version for kids, Rich Kid, Poor Kid. They even have a teen, I think it's Rich Teen, Poor Teen. I mean, it's probably just follow on the same suit. But kids need to start understanding that um, as you go and you're building academics throughout your career, um, and we're having the same conversation with my son right now. And he's in seventh grade in middle school looking at what he wants to do. I don't see my son following the traditional route of finishing high school, 
going to a four-year program, getting a degree, and going to work for somebody in their business. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. We have to stop programming kids that the only way you're going to succeed or the measure of success is working for somebody and moving up that corporate ladder or moving up in somebody's scale of, of what is success, right? So if they have a passion for cooking, if they have a passion for um, the other programs out here, you have construction, you have auto mechanic, you have... Traits, um, traits are um, awesome. There are a lot of traits that right now are... Yep. I'm sitting, I'm, I'm in Orlando right now, sitting at a conference with people from across the, the state in education and the Department of Education. And a statistic that came out um, recently in their research they were doing was by 2020. So next year, there won't be enough certified people. And that means 25 or older um, that hold the right certifications. And that's not a college degree that's certified to be a mechanic, to be uh, work in the culinary field, um, to go to, um, um, whatever trade certificate is, there won't be enough people next year to fill the current jobs needed. And the statistics Florida alone, there's a, thousand, there's a thousand people moving to Florida every single day, right? And the people coming aren't, aren't bringing those trades, trade certificates with them or the, or the bachelor degrees or master's degrees. So the thing we have to understand is that as kids get older, they're going to be prepping for a field or for something they love and we want them to enjoy what they do, not stuff like some of us are doing on a day-to-day -day basis is making it by going to work for somebody, right? Mm -hmm. But if you learn that trade, take the entrepreneurial class alongside of it, right? Yeah. Learn how to work on cars, but then own your own shop. Learn yeah. if you want to be a barber, then own your own shop. Or do something, if you work for somebody, go open a barbershop. You don't even know how to cut hair, but if you manage the barbershop or manage a couple of shops around town or do something, you build um, your portfolio that way instead of only working for somebody nine to five, day in, day out. So it's our mindset that has to change that generation to help reprogram our kids to make sure that they're not suffering through the day-to-day the -day and the boredom and come home to um, and complain about everything they do on a regular basis, like, most of us do on a regular basis anyway. So you talk about the educational piece with it. I mean, it takes the, again, go back to the mindset, changing your mindset, but also reading books, but also parents program your kids, man, reprogram your kids. And then part of that is reprogramming yourself. Don't be scared to go out and take that entrepreneurial class or just try to do something on your own to figure out what it is you love to do or something on the side to help build something extra for you and step out of that comfort zone. And if you think about even that generationally, like going back to even those that are 75 older, like that generation created their own businesses because they weren't either allowed to go to college, they couldn't go to college, but there was a need for them to do something within their community. So you had the black owned barbershops, the black mechanics, um, those that went and did professional things that became the doctors and the dentists came back to the community. So even putting in line with the previous podcast with Black Wall Street and kind of thinking where all these economics went from our community. All that was around black businesses being created. And then all of a sudden it was like, nah, don't create businesses, go off to school. Um, and so there's this gap that exists between maybe 50 years of that being the push of saying you need to go to school in order to be successful and go off and get a job when you, in fact you went to get a job for the individuals that own their own businesses. So but the school system is set up to, to teach the industrial age of thinking though. Yeah. That's the problem. The school system has not evolved and that's the issue with we're well, past, well past the industrial age where that 
um, again, going out, education, get a good job, and working for the rest of your life for a company, retiring, you're set. It's not a reality anymore. That's why you have 70, 80-year-olds still out there working today. Yeah. And this is ridiculous. But we won't go down. That's a whole other podcast, too. We're going to give you $750 Tune a month. in for 107. Hey, man, uh, that's actually a couple podcasts in there, man. I want to talk about the value of the four-year university at some point, man, because I, th- I think we brought that up before. Um, but, BJ, did you ever watch the second episode of Killer Mike's uh, Trigger Warning? Trigger warning? I, I, I didn't, man. I tried to get into it. I just couldn't. It didn't grab me. I'm sorry. Well, he talked. I forced myself to watch it because everybody said I should watch past episode two, but I didn't do it. Yeah, he lost me at episode two, episode two as well. But there was a, a good message in there, and it spoke to the trades and how they aren't really taught in our schools. So I was just wondering if you had watched They're it. Gone. That we can, um, we can get They're not gone. They're not highly publicized. And the problem is when you think of trade schools, everybody has the old voc ed mentality. Mm-hmm. When actually, if you look at it now, the CT, they're called CTE programs, career and technical ed, mm-hmm. at least in Florida right now. Other states call it different. Those yeah. programs are actually more rigorous than some of the courses they're going to take in their regular coursework. For instance, I have some some building construction that once I go through the, the set quarter building construction, it's equivalent to taking high school geometry and some of the algebra that's in there because of the, the things that are taught in that classroom. It's not just go out and in the holding place for pe- people who are not going to get a regular diploma anymore. That's not the case. And that mentality of old voc ed programs and those are down in the basement, those kids who are not going to achieve, that's a whole nother mentality that has not overcome yet. And that's why a lot of parents don't want or do not look at those um, program, trade programs for their kids. That's sad. That's why a lot of them shut down, honestly. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the education. It wasn't, it wasn't um, it, it's not sexy to say I'm going to, you know, a trade school. And Man, we, were, we were the college prep generation. Yeah, People, that's what it yeah, is. That's, yeah. You're and a failure. failure. Because it, it really is, it's a, it's a great opportunity. And especially, look, to be real, school ain't for everybody, man. And especially not, not college. And, and now is a generation of realizing and understanding. But just because school or college is not for everybody, it doesn't mean that, that you just sit there and, and are an empty uh, waste of space, right? There are many different ways that you can find a way to pursue your passion or things that you like in order to, you know, be a upstanding member of society and be a, a, um, a member of society who's actually, you know, providing to society. Girls are got it. Uh, is a new formula of, of what the state of Florida at least is, is talking about for kids. College and career ready, whether that means you're, you're able to enter the workforce. <laughs> They have a test down here in Maryland about that, man. It's like, how are you going to tell my child at nine years old whether or not they're ready for college or something, especially with the way the curriculum is set up in your elementary school? Oh, we do the testing. Yeah, it was a guy that uh, he had on his own landscaping business, and he worked for us at the tax office. He would always come in, smell like gas, grass clippings, whole nine. Like, every time you would see him, you would be like, man, this this guy. Right. Nobody even right. had any further conversation. So he was one of the first people that we kind of set up with the whole back office stuff. We started asking him about his clients. He started giving me the list of clients. By the time we got done, he had 150 clients. So, we, all right, well, this is kind of cool. So we actually have everybody come in. The guy comes in full suit, whole everything, brought his real car out, had the Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> people got to look at He's like, yeah, that's my work attire. 
Right. That's where to work. Like you come to my house, you see all the jerseys that I got. That time it was Mitchell and Ness. Yeah, yeah, Mitchell yeah. and Ness jerseys. He had all the Jordans. He had everything. Yeah. The guy was making six figures. People laughing at him. He's yeah. sitting there. Yeah, yeah, laugh. Yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna cut your grass too. Just <laughs> <laughs> put me on the list, baby. That was it. Shout out, shout out to my man Clarence back in St. Augustine. They used to cut my grass. Clarence um, was a uh, had just come out of incarceration while I was there. Started a, a lawnmower business. He he studied yeah. on what it would take to create that business while he was in jail. Got out, started it. Um, came into our predominantly white neighborhood, and of course, I told a brother, "Absolutely, you can cut my grass." My man showed up every week, didn't miss. Uh, didn't chase me down for money if I wasn't there. And man, listen, Clarence was cutting so many yards in that community. He got two or three funeral homes that he was contracted for. Um, he was doing well. And it was exactly what you said, man. He would just look dirty and you see people looking at him just like, and they have no idea. Um, my man started with one truck and one lawnmower. And when we left, he had multiple trucks, multiple lawnmowers, mm-hmm. um, and was doing well. Um, and and actually started trying to teach other people how they yep. could get into that business. So, absolutely, awesome. you're right, man. There's so yeah. many things. Um, the, an- another one that people don't think about is um, metal workers. Mm-hmm. You know whether that would, be- that's a lost art. I was just gonna say that a lady got up today and it was talking. She's been in education for years, so she's close, probably close to retirement. So I, I'm not gonna, I don't know her figures, but her son finished a welding um, trade program. Now, Lily in December makes more to her right now. Yep. Yep. That sounds like labor, like, though. Like, hey, but, but there are some people like under, underwater welders. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, super. Oh, but oh, at, at the same time, you got to realize it's it's about your passion. Yeah, yeah, if if that's not what you're you're good at or something that you're not even necessarily but but have any interest in, it's obviously not for you. But you know there are welders out there and there are welders who make an insane amount of money. They do, and it's not as um, arduous a task, right? As 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 we would find it to to sit there putting metal together. So it's really more about yeah, they're actually enjoying creating. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's their thing. So it's it's about taking the time to um always again keep your eyes open as far as what are your passions? What do you like to do? Don't be scared to um experience new things and try new things and and find out really what you um are comfortable doing, what you like doing and what you can tolerate doing. And please understand, please understand it's work. It's not like you're going to have an idea today and you're going to make millions in a month so uh, a lot of ways like okay i want to do this and then i'm gonna start making money and then you know when we get together we're gonna have planes and we can yeah whoa slow slow down man um you gotta put the time in you gotta make sure that you put some work in in order to reap those rewards it's not easy it's fun um, you always hear to find something that you're passionate at and make money from it. Um, there's a little bit more in between that than just the passion and the making money from it. Easy, easy. Oh, yeah. Coach K, before we go to you to wrap us up, man, uh, great show, by the way, fellas. Uh, I got to ask the question. Can we talk about this this gentleman, Juicy? Uh, Who? Thing? Juicy. Uh, 
Why is there a gentleman named Juicy? <laughs> First problem. Uh, That's bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, where? The guy from Empire, man. Oh, the Jesse. 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 I was like, I'm going on mute. Who is Jesse? Listen, man, I, I saw the, uh, the alert came up on my phone and it said it's J U S S I E or yes. something like Jesse. that. Yes, Jesse. 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 Yeah. Jesse. Yeah. Jesse. Jesse. Oh, well, well Jesse. Man, Jesse. Juicy. <laughs> that sounds accurate, though. And I thought, I honestly thought that's where you were going with it until you said Juicy. That I was just totally like, who else is about to talk about? What is about to go on right now? That's why you got a case for a felony for this whole. Um, Hoax of a, a beatdown. Well, well deserved. Um, what happened? Uh, the, the, the main question is what the hell was he thinking? <laughs> what his motivation was if um, as the uh, – so essentially what, what happened was this guy on Empire who plays um, – he's uh, a homosexual guy. Um, he plays a homosexual male on the show. Wound up a couple weeks ago saying that he was assaulted by some MAGA members – um, who pretty much said, aren't you the F um, AG from uh, Empire show and then assaulted him, got into a tussle with them. Um, he went on in the story about talking about how, you know, he made sure not to, you know, be a victim. He got into a real, you know, battle with these guys, whatever. But ultimately, you know, he was assaulted on some racially um, and um, sexually targeted assault. Right. But then it comes out now that it seems that the assault was fake. He actually paid some Nigerians, which is even crazier because he paid some some black gentlemen instead of even paying some uh, MAGA or white people to go ahead and do this assault. That everything is really um, right now. Everybody is extremely confused and trying to find out what's going on. So taking it back again, it is. What was he thinking, trying to figure out? He's, he's even gone as far as to call himself the um, gay Tupac, which I think is very interesting. Um, but uh, the question now is, what were you thinking? He said, what? Yes. Yeah, I promise you there are videos of him on stage discussing how he is the, the gay Tupac because of how he was accosted as, you know, a gay black male and that it was a targeted um, incident. And then now to find out that it isn't, people are pretty much talking about it in the instance of, someone who uh, falsely claims rape and that there in, in those instances, instances, excuse me, as well, need to be some type of ramifications for those who make those false, cli- false claims, not only um, because of the amount of time they're wasting with the police, but also because that's a serious, there's, there's the opportunity for something really serious to happen to somebody. And if you're lying about it, there needs to be some type of repercussions. That's not how you make money, people. <laughs> that is not how you make money. That's how you get facts for free. So, so you get a felony. Say what? I said, and you got beat up for it. Like you got beat up, you're getting a felony. You I, am, I am flabbergasted, America. I'm gonna use that word flabbergasted. He pays somebody to up and is going What to thought process you have to but then I look if, if <laughs> Did they I'm, kill him off empires? If I'm going to plot on that, then I'm going to hire some big white dudes. I'm going to hire some country boys to come and put in work. The <laughs> fact that you are going to hire some Nigerian, it's just like a very complex WTF type situation. How'd he get caught? Like, did they have a video or something? Well, because initially he wasn't cooperating with the, the police officers, so they started getting, you know, deeper into what was going on. Yeah, but then they started looking at video cameras around the area, right? 
and they mm. end up seeing these two black dudes walking. So they find these two black dudes and they interview them. And in classic fashion, they start to break down. And just so like, you know, they're not charged anything. We'll, we'll cooperate. Yeah, please. We don't, we don't want to go to jail. So yeah. So people forensics is a real thing. Trust me. <laughs> Please don't tell my mother and father. Exactly. I must not be deported back to my country. Trust me. You know I'm a doctor. Like any, anything for this. Anything you touch, you leave a print like flat out that can but, be. Listen, man. They found. They I'm about to say, but they're using they the receipt the, for the rope. About, yeah, it ain't even about. They bought right down the street from the store. None right of that. Street. It's they about. Look, there, there are cameras type. everywhere. Everywhere right. there are cameras. America, look at me. Hold on, I'm a, I'm a zoom in. America, I am your captain now. <laughs> there are cameras everywhere. Everywhere that you go, Thank don't you think that you're me. sneaking around. There are cameras there. Stop doing stupid stuff. It's right. just like paying big black people to beat you up. He says a white guy. That's right. <laughs> hats too. I'm gonna expound on it. It was Trump himself. <laughs> Great job. Great job. Good job. In downtown Great. Chicago. Yeah. Oh, during the during this Arctic polar polar thing, the whole thing in Chicago. It was, it was history, like Jesus, bro. Like it's just so many words. It's so many layers just piled <laughs> up on top of the definition. Maybe he got a, maybe he got an album coming out or something. Man, I don't, I don't think he, he does. Nope, they already cut. They cut his um, um empire. Well, he's they're cutting out. his time. They're cutting his time. Yeah, now he, they're cutting his uh time down. So what? he want to be in one of them reality shows or something? Like, mm-hmm. Who knows? To, he seems like he's trying no, he to be on locked up. That's what he's gonna be on. Hey, you get you get. So, well, now you don't get royalties if you're a felon. Nah, not a good yeah. plan. Yeah. yeah. So. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, you can get this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Vimeo uh, for the videos and YouTube. We are on, what did I miss? What did I miss? iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. Uh, what else did I miss? What did I miss? I'm losing it. If you got it, we own it. Just put it yeah, down man, there. wherever it's at, you, you got speakers and, and availability, you can tune in to us. Please do. We here. Put your finger in the air. Listen. <laughs> I don't know about that, but Coach K, go ahead and take us home. <laughs> wow. Uh, a lot of good information dropped in this podcast. Uh, what I would say is to close us out, entrepreneurship, some of you get out there, you start and you fail because you are addicted to results. You are, addic- uh, you are addicted to seeing money hit your account. And what I'm going to tell you is stop being addicted to results, become a student and a producer of behaviors and processes. If you can do that, now you have a real product and that's what separates you from everybody else. That's just trying to go get uh, a tax ID number, uh, an employee, whatever it's called, an EIN number. That's what's separating you from everybody else is that when you have something that you can reproduce and you can either sell it or you can teach people how to do it and they pay you a fee for it, that's what establishes your longevity. So again, stop being addicted to results. Be, have a ferocious appetite for the behaviors that lead to success and 
produce processes. Mic drop. Boom. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. We're done here on the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. See you. The 13th floor. The 13th floor.